Okay, we're here with Mr. Benjamin, and he works with Fair Market, and we're going to talk to him today, interview him, ask him some questions about how he got into urban agriculture and how uh, Fair Market uh, operates and, and does what it does to help the uh, local community. And um, so how, how were you introduced to urban agriculture? Um, in 2014, I was in Detroit for an event, and I met uh, Maliki Keeney. And he gave us like a brief, you know, maybe hour or two tour of some urban uh, farming that was going on there. So that was the first time I really saw it. Before that, it was kind of just in my peripheral. Um, and I think after that, I just kind of got into gardening myself, pretty small. And each year it kind of got bigger. Uh, and then maybe in my third year, I just decided to go ahead and start farming in the city. Um, which is a pretty big challenge. <laughs> Did you have any experiences uh, farming growing up as a, as a child? Uh, not really. My father is a, is a traditional farmer. Um, well, retired now, but he has a 320-acre farm in Missouri. Oh, wow. But it's just corn and beef, really. You know, it's not anything crazy. My parents, you know, when, when my mom and dad divorced, uh, my mom and stepdad in, this, in town had chickens and, and uh, a garden. You know, our neighbors would complain because they would be waking up in the morning to a rooster crowing. Uh, <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, I, I saw it, but they didn't really make me garden. So um, just really witnessed it more than experienced it. Okay. But I did get to eat fresh tomatoes, yeah. you know, fresh things from the garden that, that probably improved the overall experience of my food. And according to the Arkansas Center for Health and um, Improvement, the number of supermarkets and other grocery stores in Arkansas has had a marked decrease since 1997, dropping from 853 establishments to 495 establishments in 2013. Uh, also, 49 counties had uh, five or less grocery stores within their boundaries. And why do you think this decline is taking place here in Arkansas? I don't really know, but I, I would assume it has something to do with wealth inequality. Um, in 1990, I don't know the specific year, but in the early 90s, it was like the 1% uh, received 45% of all new wealth. Um, I think during the Bush administration it was like 65 or 70 percent and today it's like 95 percent. So you can see like they're taking more money. Our wages are stagnant. You know, minimum wage hasn't gone up really in 40 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think minimum wage should be about $40 right now if it were to keep up with inflation. So like really we don't have the income to support grocery stores. Uh, I mean, wealthy neighborhoods do, primarily wealthy white neighborhoods do, um, but I would say that's probably, you know, when you call a neighborhood a food desert, it, what that really means is the people there can't afford to keep a grocery store open. What do you think can be done to help resolve this issue? Um, well, Next City, which is a independent journalism group uh, in Canada, they did a, a little research project where they were basically looking at what kinds of grocery stores opened in food deserts um, and seeing which ones were most successful. 
And the ones that were most successful were led by the community or owned by the community, like a cooperative. Um, I think it was a hundred, at the time of their study, it was a hundred percent of the community owned grocery stores were still in operation. Ninety-two mm percent -hmm. of the community led partnered with a nonprofit were still open. But of like the private grocery stores, only half of them were still open because the community wasn't involved. So I think community involvement, community ownership is the solution. And do you feel like there's a food desert in Little Rock? I feel like there are several food deserts in Little Rock. Um, if you look at it, I mean, it depends on which government agency you look at. The EPA has their own map for, say, like low-income poverty. The USDA has a, a map you can go on their website and find food deserts and how they're categorized. So some are more severe. So, so they kind of have like a color, color code, mm -hmm. like a dark. I think a dark green is like the most severe. Um, but like they don't have a grocery store within a mile uh, of them. Uh, so like if you're a senior and you don't have a car, right. you have to wait for somebody to take you to the grocery store or wait for something like Meals on Wheels uh, to come by, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a problem. I think the biggest thing is transportation. If you can't walk to the store, then you just don't have access to food. And I think even... Even if these, you know, communities with lower resources, if they do have access uh, to a grocery store, they don't really have the same quality of food. Uh, you're not going to find organic food in a in a lower resource neighborhood, which, if if anything, points out the problems of like the current food grocery system. That <laughs> that's a really big one. It's like 95% of people aren't getting food that's good for the planet or good for them mm -hmm. so and why do you think organic is is more important well i mean they i think local food is more important um but it's more important i have a hard time with this because organic it's like we have these laws right we have this government program but it's really it's kind of limited i don't know if it doesn't get enough funding if the USDA doesn't get enough funding to like enforce these laws but there's a lot of fraud in the organic movement um, there was a really large shipment of like berries from Chile uh, that they were trying to sell to America but then they found out they were supposed to be organic berries but then they found out they were actually from China and they weren't organic and so you just had like a million dollars worth of <laughs> berries they were just gonna go to waste so I think that's that's um, that's something that's becoming more well known is like how people are trying to defraud the organic thing, but also the organic and what organic means is constantly under fire uh, by the farm lobby and by big business like these companies who are creating GMO, you know, genetically modified plants. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's kind of like this constantly shifting goalposts and you don't even know where organic is going to be in 10 years um, but also so the organic movement is 100 years old 120 years old it's like since we have the know your farmer kind of thing and it's only 5% of the market oh wow right so 95% of the market is eating food that's not 
organic and not good for the planet. It's so processed foods. To and me, yeah, it's fast a, food and. Well, I mean, like grow the grow the food market, like grocery. Mm -hmm. They're buying food that's not sustainably grown, um, which means ninety-five percent of customers, you know, consumers. I don't like that word, but consumers are destroying our soil. They're destroying the nutritional quality of the food that we grow. Um, they're encouraging deforestation, which leads to things like COVID nineteen and probably other things in the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, organic to me is kind of like, it'd be nice, but it needs to be more at the community level. Like when we say know your farmer, I think a lot of people kind of think if you interact with your farmer at the farmer's market, then you know your farmer. I don't really, I don't really agree with that. I think um, the community should have some sort of oversight of farms and how they're farming and be more involved in that. Um, like a community food web where you have different uh, people in the food movement who are kind of working together and then you have like a food policy council uh, who's reviewing these farms and making sure that they are being sustainable. And I think if the community's involved in creating their own community-owned food system, then you're going to be able to transition more traditional farmers to organic. And do you feel that agriculture should be taught in public school? Uh, I think a lot of things should be taught in public schools <laughs> that aren't taught in public schools. Right. It's a it's a really complicated profession. There's there's a lot that goes into farming. You have to manage soil. You have to understand some biology. There's chemistry. It's there's math involved. Business skills that are involved. A lot of things they don't they don't teach in school are involved in farming, and it's really. One of the sad things I think about uh, being a farmer is that you're all alone in that. Um, so you have to be the marketer, you have to be the business person, you know, you have to go do all the math, you have to grow everything, you have to do all this work. Uh, and, and they say it takes a farmer about five years to where they really get into this uh, good production model and selling their stuff. So for five years, you're just going to struggle, and that's why a lot of farmers don't succeed and don't get started. So having a community that can kind of like support the farmer while they're going through that process, I think would be really important mm -hmm. and help us have more new farmers, which we need because most farmers are old and they're going to die pretty soon. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting to say that because usually when people think of farmers, they think of someone who's very kind of... Um, not very business savvy or, you know, they just kind of go out, throw some seeds in the ground and plant and they go harvest it and, you know, sell it and, and do their thing and they kind of live a simple life. And yeah. and it's it's not often to hear about them having all these extra skills and, and, and um, abilities when yeah. it comes to the farming industry. Yeah. And uh, It depends on what kind of farmer you're talking about. I mean, if you're talking about like a diversified vegetable farmer, that's a pretty complicated thing and you know you get into high tunnels and all kinds of stuff so you're like monitoring the weather you're taking a look at soil temperatures and is the soil temperature more important than the temperature above the soil you know how hot is this you know you got farmers now that are growing like winter crops during the summer because they've figured that out in the south you know 
So, but then you have like farmers that right now it's it's becoming automated. So you have like these robot combines that are going out and harvesting stuff. Um, it's it's very strange. So some farmers it is really kind of like set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. Some it's not. It's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> and for people at home with no gardening experience, um, do you think it's possible for them to start a garden in their backyard where they can feed themselves? Sure, sure. Um, and what do you think they would need to do that for just a normal person who's no experience? Uh, the first thing I would do is get a soil test. They do free soil tests at co-op extension, so you can, I think what they say is take a cup of soil from the four corners and one from the middle of your garden area, so you can know what your total composition is for the area. But they'll tell you if you need nitrogen, uh, potassium, or calcium in your soil. Um, so then you just get some fertilizer, get some potassium, get some get some stuff from Farmers Association. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want organic stuff, you'll probably have to get it online. Um, I know you can get organic lime and uh, stuff like that at Home Depot, but fertilizer, I think, if you want organic, you're going to have to go uh, online to get it. And is there anything that they should be uh, watchful for when planting at home in the soil? Uh, I really don't know how to test for that. I think there was, um, I think there was somebody with Co-op Extension that was doing some kind of to uh, research project um, about urban ag and urban farming. Um, it's kind of tricky, you know. I think I think Heifer uh, Urban Farm they did they like dug out their farm and brought in new soil because it's a very it was a very industrial area mm -hmm. um, and I was at an agriculture conference in St. Louis and we went to a urban farm or it was really a community garden but it was really large and they had done the same thing because it was right next to a shoe factory I think and so the soil was like really contaminated, so they just dug it out and brought in new soil. I mean, we could we could do other things with that, um, maybe helping people build above ground gardens, which mm -hmm. is kind of what some of the folks here do. You know, they go out and build gardens in people's yards. Um, but if you're gonna have to build your garden beds, that's more money, more work, you know? And you're gonna have to bring in soil too, so. But I would say building soil and controlling weeds are the two most important things. Okay. Healthy soil is going to help your plants be healthier. And do you think urban agriculture can help with climate change? <laughs> Not specifically, no. I mean, going back to what I was saying earlier about organic and how only 95% of, uh, or only 5% of people are eating organic food, mm -hmm. you know, if we if we can't get the farmers who already exist to transition to more sustainable methods, then it's not really going to help no matter how many urban farms uh, we have. So urban agriculture, I think, can help, um, but it's not going to solve the problem if only urban agriculture is being sustainable. Getting into more about fair market, what motivated you to start fair market? Um, that's kind of complicated. I was really interested in communities um, creating businesses that they own. 
um, and operate and thinking about community-owned farms, uh, which those exist out there. Uh, and it's really nice for those farmers because they don't have to really worry about all those other jobs um, and they don't have to worry about being profitable because they have a community that basically uh, purchases those goods mm -hmm. at a more affordable price. Uh, but everything is kind of sustainable, so it allows the farmer just to focus on what they're uh, good at or what they like. Um, but my but my emphasis was trying to find a way to create food at really really low prices in food deserts. Uh, so trying to pair um, these farmers who are not really profit driven with a company that is profit-driven and doing something very modern like food delivery mm -hmm. so I was in school I was farming while I was in school but I was getting a, te a tech degree so near the end of it I just wanted to know I just wanted to build a little website to sell produce from my farm uh, in the community and then they were like go get some go get a mentor at this uh, venture center downtown and so then it turned into a thing where I was raising money for a startup. Oh, wow. Yeah. What's the reach? Right now, it's just the Little Rock area. That's where we're at. Um, we do about 13 miles out from um, University and uh, 630, mm -hmm. kind of right there. Um, I think with the model that we're developing, a lot, of other, a lot of our competitors, they're not in small towns. And small towns are, a lot of these counties you mentioned are food deserts as well. I think our model is going to allow us to go into these areas uh, through community ownership of their own food system. So we'll probably, um, our, our region would be like within 300 miles, which includes a lot. That would be like Fayetteville, mm -hmm. uh, Jonesboro, Memphis, um, I think uh, Shreveport, Texarkana, I think maybe... It's quite a ways, 300 miles from Little Rock. So yeah, that's a lot, a lot of small towns and a lot of big cities in that oh, yeah. area. So, I think that's where we'll probably be reaching out first. And how far out does the delivery service run? Uh, 13 miles out from, um, about basically the Little Rock Zoo. Okay. So we go pretty far. Do you have an estimate about how many people that you're helping each month? Uh, we have. About 400 customers, but I would prefer not to say how many people we help in a month. <laughs> okay. And this may be silly, but how did you come up with a name uh, with the for, for Fair Market? Uh, I'm always thinking about names for stuff. Um, there's a, I mean, you, you kind of just look at what else is out there. There's Grub, Grubhub and, you know... Um, Grub Market is another one that sells local food, so I'm always thinking about equity and how things can be fair, so, you know, fair market. Fair enough. Sounds, I mean, it's a good name. I like it. It's catchy. Thanks. Easy to remember. <laughs> Thanks. Very easy to Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We probably need to work on our SEO, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty, fairly easy to find. I mean, cool. it was cool. popped right up yeah. as soon as I typed it in, so. Cool. And uh, That's good to hear. I like the logo. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And um, I think other people like it too. I, there's two uh, 
two groups that have stolen like the font for farmers like advertising yeah. like one store here and uh like a farmer's market event it's like use our same font to do their advertising i was like yeah blast yeah anyway gotta cash in <laughs> but you know uh what is it uh imitation is the highest form of flattery yeah, yeah there you exactly go. at least you got their attention and <laughs> right they ever ask where you know where they got the idea from it's right. almost like free publicity yeah, for yeah. you so it means that we look good that's you're doing that's something right yeah mm-hmm. yeah and um what are three benefits to supporting local farms you've probably already answered this but well i think the probably the top things that are in our customers minds are um supporting local jobs keeping your dollar in the local economy um, which there is you know there's evidence to support the fact that your dollar like so if you spend a dollar at a food hub like fair market you're actually i think spending another 65 cents in the local economy like on fuel and different supplies and on that farmer maybe eating at a restaurant while they're here or you know just it has peripheral impact so your dollar that you spend on local food is actually creating more money in your local economy so that's the one the other thing is i would say you're you're contributing to healthier food mm-hmm. you're contributing you know there's actually a a study that shows over the last 70 years the nutritional quality of say like broccoli has deteriorated significantly so if you're supporting farmers that care about the soil then you're supporting a an ecosystem that's going to give you more nutritious food so i think that's another thing the third thing would be fresh it's just fresher and fresh food has more flavor you know fresh tomato definitely tastes a lot different than a tomato that you would get uh, generally at a grocery store that has been you know probably picked green and artificially ripened with gas you know and then maybe coated with some cor- some sort of wax mm-hmm. to maintain that freshness there's like a really there's a actually a, a book about uh, tomatoes <laughs> and that whole process that's pretty troubling but that's um, crazy yeah i think just flavor freshness uh nutritional quality it's healthier it's better for your kids kind of thing and then keeping your money local increasing that that economic impact how long did it take you to figure out the logistics and the distribution for a fair market <laughs> well we started with a uh $25,000 investment from the Delta Innovation Fund which is a it's like a pre-seed investment uh, board through uh Winrock International and we took that and we did uh about 5 months of beta testing which were promising so we went back and they invested another 25,000 so we did a year of beta testing seeing what works how best to do delivery fees and how all that works so about a year and what's your proudest moment so far in working with food market with fair market mhm oh well jeez i mean i did i did that first year all by myself <laughs> which means that and that was like a lot of 80 90 hour sometimes over 100 hours in a week of working um which 
it's crazy. I don't really recommend being a farmer or an entrepreneur to anybody because it's such a stressful, they're both really stressful jobs or career choices. But I did all the marketing, all the deliveries, I did all of the website work, um, all of the accounting, mm -hmm. everything fair market, which was a full-fledged business that now has 400 customers, right? I did all that by myself, so <laughs> I'm pretty proud that it even exists since I was doing all of that kind of on the fly. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, to go that far, most businesses have a problem in the first year. Yeah. So to you know make it to this point with 400 customers solid, Yeah. I think you're doing something right. Yeah. I know we... We've had to figure out some interesting uh, logistical stuff, getting things from farmers to the city. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel pretty confident that what we have, we could easily copy and paste in smaller towns um, as well as big cities. Sure. I think it's a pretty lean startup that mm -hmm. wouldn't cost much to uh, move to another place. Where can they find uh, Fair Market on online? Uh, our website is fairmarketlr.com. Um, we offer m memberships, but we also uh, we do memberships for Sprout Urban Farms Company. Sprout was my farming company, but over since I've launched Fair Market during that time, I got help from the Bowen School to turn that into a consumer co-op. Mm -hmm. So the idea is to actually have community-owned farms. So that's kind of getting back to my original reason for opening Fair Market. Um, so we're doing some work in the community trying to bring on member owners of the co-op. Um, and we're working on a farm at 33, uh, 3314 South Arch Street, just as you go over the bridge towards 65th on Arch. Um, so you can also go to SproutLR.com and you can purchase a membership there. And the memberships are interchangeable. So if you're a fair market member, you're a member in the co-op. And if you're a member in the co-op, you're a fair market member. Fair market members get 10% off and free delivery. So we're really trying to encourage our customers to move to that platform. But our goal with that is because Sprout is a consumer co-op, it's a co cooperatives are formed to meet needs, not to earn a profit, mm -hmm. right? They're just a sustainable organization that provides something that a community really needs. So there's there's no um, there's no profit motive, so the the prices can be lower for the produce, so they're right. more affordable. Um, and then that's going to help that's going to help fair market operate in these communities that say don't have the financial wherewithal to support a grocery store um, and because what we do is a lot less bulky than a grocery store right we don't have a physical retail front where we're you know using up tons of electricity and taking up tons of space mm -hmm. you know it's just a really lean very quick efficient model where we can take food to somebody instead of them having to wait for their granddaughter or whatever to come and take them to the grocery store. I feel like I got off track. But. No, you're fine. <laughs> but it also sounds like it's it's also going towards helping uh, employ people. Yes, to yes. 
We, I mean, we have plan. It's kind of hard to talk about things that aren't in place yet sometimes. But these, this is where we're going, and this is what we are trying to achieve, which is a community model that is subsidizing local food so that people can afford it, more people can afford it. And that goes back to the, okay, only 5% of people are eating organic food. It's even less that are eating local food, right? I think it's less than 1% wow. of the population. Um, they say 12, they say 30, no, they say 12% of the population, I think, shops at farmer's markets at least once a year. I don't know if I would really say that that's 12% of the population eating local. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's less than 1% of the overall population that is consuming local food. So if we can find a way to lower the cost of local food in the communities that really need fresh food mm-hmm. and create jobs there for people to make local food, uh, then we will have we will have done something very, very important oh, yeah. uh, for the planet. Um, and giving those folks control over their food system is going to be really important as yeah. well. I know that when I visit California, what they have is, I believe, uh, one weekend every month, they have a farmer's market thing downtown, Mm -hmm. and um, so you'll have, I think it's maybe two or three blocks that they have sectioned off, and it's just for vendors and people who own farms and that sell their crops and Uh stuff, and they all kind of come out and set up shop and... Yeah. And, and a lot of people come out and they just buy from them right there on the spot yeah. watermelons and yeah. vegetables and you know occasionally the guy with the smoothie stand or whatever yeah um, and then they come out and it's, it's a pretty you know popular thing over there mm-hmm. um, it's a smaller town in California but they still manage to come out and support everybody and so when I went out there kind of bringing back we were talking about supporting local because those are local people supporting other farms that are you know just down the road from where they live mm-hmm. and uh, over there it's you know, fairly popular. Yeah. And um, I think on the east and west coast, farmers markets are, you know, you'll have, I think I've heard of farmers like in the northeast making like $30,000 in one farmers market. Mm-hmm. You know, just like these really, really happening farmers markets. Um, we have good farmers markets here. It's just not, it's not that, that big. So I think some work needs to be done to encourage more consumption of local food. Mm-hmm. And are you on, is Fair Market on any social media where people can yeah. go and find? Yeah, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, um, and Pinterest. So Under the same name, Fair, Mar- Fair Market? Fair Market, yeah. F-A-R-E? Yeah, uh, on R-K-U-T? Instagram it's F-A-R-E underscore market. Okay. Yeah, and Sprout Urban Farms is on Fair Market on Instagram as well. Okay. Is there anything you want to add to it uh, that, I, that I might have missed? Um, Any information I, I out there? Think so I think that was pretty good. I, <laughs> I really just want to emphasize the uh, community own, ownership model. I think that's really the most important thing about what we're doing, and I think it's, I think it's the thing that is going to make fair market really successful and competitive with large retailers who are dominating the grocery space. Um, but we're really in the in the infancy stages. We're just kind of building this. Um, and when you're doing community organizing, it's kind of slow, painstaking work, especially during during a pandemic. So we were doing a lot of kind of in-person stuff when the Delta variant started mm-hmm. spiking up. So we're kind of back to talking on the phone with people. Um, 
but we're, we've been working with a, a nonprofit here called The Village Place. Sure. Uh, have you heard of them? No. No. So they're like a very uh, black-centric nonprofit. Um, they do holistic healthcare type stuff. They have a doctor on staff that, uh, well, he's not on staff, but he volunteers to do wellness checks, and they have a mental health professional too to do these kind of wellness checks to make sure people are feeling okay. Um, they do computer training. They have a community garden, um, but it's it's really the first instance that I have been familiar with in Little Rock where somebody cares enough to buy local food and get it out into the community where it usually isn't. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of food relief efforts that it's just food or it's it's food, <laughs> you know, like highly processed prepackaged food. Oh, yeah. You know, that's really not healthy. Um, and then even some of the fresh food efforts that you see, it's it's fresh food, but it's not local. So I think it's it's really significant. We did a, a food box program where we did 150 food boxes uh, that they had a grant to get those out into the community. And right now we're doing a, we're doing six boxes per month for uh, it's called the Mocha Mama food box program. Mm-hmm. So these young pregnant moms or or moms to be or moms that just gave birth, we're providing them a small food box each month. Um, of local food, um, or local and organic food, and we also do a uh, 15 food boxes a month for seniors. So we're getting food out to new moms, seniors, and families. So it's really, it's a really cool partnership that we've managed to have with them. And I'm, I'm just really excited that uh, somebody cares that the food going out is fresh and you know sustainable. Yeah, like that's. Super awesome. <laughs> yeah, and those are two really vulnerable groups as well. So yeah, they need yeah. the groups that really use need it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What advice would you give yourself at eighteen? At eighteen? Yeah. Damn, I was such a punk at eighteen. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, probably, you know, um, I just wasn't serious. You know, uh, wasn't serious about anything. Failed out of college the first time I went. Um, barely got back in because <laughs> uh, I was on uh, probation or whatever. Um, I just would have told myself that I was capable of a lot of things. You know, I was one of those people who didn't think I was good at math. I'm actually really good at math. Uh, but things, really complicated stuff like computer programming and statistics and calculus, things I just thought I wasn't capable of, you know. Mm-hmm. So maybe just to believe in myself. I think a lot of people need to believe in themselves and and to really take time to figure out what they're passionate about. I think a lot of people don't know what they're passionate about. And that's that's an underlying goal of this whole community ownership model is what are you passionate about because that's what you're going to be best at, right, if you care about it. You know, we're all, mostly all of us are doing doing <laughs> I almost said a cuss word we're almost all doing things we don't care about you know mm-hmm. so if you can figure out what you're passionate about and if your community if you have a community a real community that will support you then goddamn, you're blessed you yeah. know that's a blessing so we should all be fighting for that which means we should all be members of Sprout <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, uh, sprout.lr. Sproutlr.com. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, check it out. 
All right, and that's it. Uh, thank you again for doing this interview with thank me. You. I appreciate it. You taking time out for us. And um, I'm excited about what you're doing, and I hope it continues yeah. to uh, spread across the state. Cool. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks.